Good morning, y'all. Woo, same around right here. I can't even stand to hear myself talk. How y'all doing this morning? <clears throat> so uh, I don't. I'm, I'm a little tore up. Why'd you play that song? Come on, man. I'm sorry. Need a minute. <clears throat> so today, uh, I just want to give you a little introduction. My introduction is very long, and my my two teaching points are going to be a little bit shorter, okay? And so I just want to tell you first how I got here. Um, so some, so <laughs> not that story. <laughs> yeah, Mama's watching. Terrell's watching too. Terrell knows how I got here. I've known Terrell a long time. Anyway, <laughs> uh, some years back, and, and, and please understand, I'm not picking on the illustrations. I'm not... I'm, I'm not refuting anything. This is not a refute. I'm just telling you how I got here with baptism and why I teach it the way I do it. And I will not perform it. I will not perform it unless I can, can teach it. And, and because this is the, what the Lord showed me. And so how I got here was some years back at my other church, my daughter wanted to be baptized. And, um, you know, I started talking to her and realized I didn't know why, really, we got baptized. And so we talked about a few things, and I taught her what I knew or what I had been taught. And so um, my, just understand my spirit, my soul wasn't satisfied with it. And so we went before the pastor or co-pastor, whatever he was, my good friend, my good friend, I'm not refuting my friend, Ames, and, um, you know, she wanted to be baptized by me, and, and it all went down. Anyway, they wouldn't let me do it, because if they let me do it, they'd have to let everybody do it, blah, 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 and it's a big story. And so we go in the back, and uh, Ames, you know, it was his first encounter with Mariah over this baptism, and so he he talks to her, and he asks her, you know, why are you getting baptized and all these things, and and he explained it to her, and then he said this, it's like a wedding ring. And he began to tell this story, and, and, and none of that's wrong, but he began to give this illustration, and there wasn't one single scripture in it. And my spirit went, mm, like I thought he was going to explain to her what baptism was, and, and here's the kicker. I thought he was going to explain it to me, too, because I really didn't know. And so um, that put me on a journey. That got my wheels turning, and I began to pray. Every time I thought about or heard about baptism, I began to pray, God, why do we do this? And so one day I was reading, and I ran across this scripture. And this is what it says. This ain't the exact scripture, but here's what it says. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, that, that hurt me. You, oh, what happened? Oh, thank you. For though by, oh, the white. Okay, here we go. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles, that's very important, and the oracles of God. Now, here's what I want to explain to you about oracles. Here's a whole, whole bunch of O's for you. This is for free. It's not really part of the sermon. Oracles become ordinances. 
ordinance. Y'all know, did y'all understand that? Raise your hand if you understood ordinance. Oracles of God become the ordinance of God, which becomes the ordinary practice of the people because it's the order in which he runs his kingdom. Here's what I want you to understand. Uh, I, I refute this all the time, the, the statement of, of going to heaven. Going to heaven is not the goal. Inheriting yourself into a kingdom who has a king is our goal. Amen? That is what we live for. That is what we strive for. Heaven isn't what we think it is. It's a kingdom with a king who has an order to his kingdom. You're not going to go any way you want to go in, and you're not going to do anything you want to do once you get there. Do you understand that? He's a king who runs a kingdom. And so the first principles and or, or first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. That was me when my daughter got baptized. For he is a babe. Yes, Lord. But solid food belongs to those who, who are of full age. That is, those who, have, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And here's what I'll say about this. If good and evil if there was, was such a straight line, if it was so black and white, if it was so clear, why would we need to uh, have our, in, our senses exercised to discern both what good and evil is? If you'll go and read the story of Solomon, and I'll move on, that is the exact thing he asked God to give him. We know, because we've been taught our little Bible classes, that Solomon asked for wisdom. He asked for discernment to discern what was good and evil. That's what he asked for. You go and read it. And so here's what it says. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles, here's what I want you to understand. Baptism is elementary principle of Christ. It's the foundation. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. This is where we start. I believe that these six things we are about to read are solid doctrine issues, not theology. Theology and doctrine is two separate things. Theology is the study of the subject of God. I told y'all Friday nighters y'all was going to hear this sermon again. Theology is the study of the subject of God. Doctrine is the instruction. It is what doctrine does not change. And oh, by the way, because theology is about the character of God. The character of God doesn't change, but your personal theology should. And if it doesn't along the journey, if God quits revealing to you something fresh, something new, something awesome about his character, then you've reached all there is to know about God in your theology, and you're in danger. Theology itself, the character of God is unwavering. It does not change. Doctrine is unwavering, and it does not change, but your understanding of it does. And you should be continually growing. And so here's what it says. In, in what I believe in kingdom order. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. 
Now, I'm not going to teach on all these because God hasn't... I've asked God years ago when, when I saw this, I want to teach those foundations. And over the years, he showed me some things about it, but he hasn't completed it. It's still in the works. One day, I'm going to preach on these or teach on these six things or do a Bible study on them or something. But it's, it's not there yet. And so here's what the foundation is. Elementary principles. Are y'all with me? Wake up in here. Elementary principles. This is the elementary principles. And so repentance from dead works, that's where you start. Change the way you think about the works that you do. Repentance from dead works. Faith towards God, that's step two. The doctrine of baptisms. Or it could actually best be translated instructions on washings. So you're going to hear me say washings a lot today. But doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Let me ask you, how many of you have the elementary principles nailed down? No one? He said, man, well, and this, listen, he said, We'll go on from this, and this we'll do if God permits. This we'll do if God permits. And so when I saw this, man, this thing began to stir, and I was looking up all this stuff in the New Testament about baptisms and how many baptisms there are. And we talk about all these baptisms. There's all these doctrines about baptisms and the baptism of the Spirit and the baptism in the Spirit and, and the baptism into the body and all these things. And then God showed me something. He showed me something really cool. Uh, did you know that this writer didn't have no New Testament to reference to when he wrote this? So what possibly could he have been talking about? What is the doctrine of baptisms? Or what is the instruction on watching? Y'all ready to hear this, ain't you? Well, you ain't going to like it. It's in Numbers. Listen, it's all he's he's he is talking about the washings of the Jewish religion. When we see it in Ephesians 4, when he says one Lord, one faith, and we're going to get to that one baptism, it's one washing. In the Greek it's translated or defined as the word is defined as washing. It's one washing. But look what, the, look what it is. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, this is 22 verses. You know I had to pray over reading 22 verses consecutively in church? I had to pray over it. I was like, Lord, can they handle all that? So listen, y'all put y'all seatbelts on and hold on. We're about to go through these 22 whole verses at one time in church. Y'all ready? Here it is. This is an ordinance or it becomes ordinary practice because it was an oracle of God, it's now an ordinance and it is supposed to become ordinary practice because it is the order in which the king runs his kingdom. This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring you a red heifer. I have one at home, thank you, in which there is no defect, on which a yoke has never come. You shall give it to Eleazar the priest that he may take it outside the camp and that it may be slaughtered before him. We're doing that too. And Eleazar the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle some of the blood seven times directly in front of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the heifer shall be burned in his sight, its flesh, 
uh, its hide, its flesh, its blood, and its offal shall be burned, and the priest shall take cedar wood, hyssop, and scholar, or scarlet, and cast them into the midst of the fire, burning the heifer. All this was to produce some ashes, just so you know. So don't get lost on me. All we're doing is producing some ashes so we can mix it with some water and wash some people. Here we go. Then the priest shall wash his clothes. He shall bathe in water, baptism, and afterward he shall come into the camp. The priest shall be unclean until evening. And the one who burns it shall, uh, uh, and the one who burns it shall wash his clothes in water, bathe in water, instructions on washings, baptism, and shall be unclean until even. Then a man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and store them outside the camp in a clean place, and they shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel. Uh, for the water of purification, it is for the purifying of sin. That's what it's for. This is the doctrine of baptisms. But let me ask you a question. Did it purify them from sin forever? No. Because this is a shadow and a type. We're going to see it. That's what Hebrews tells us. This is a shadow or a type. Verse 10, and the one who gathers the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes because now he's unclean too and he's got to get baptized and, uh, and be unclean until evening and it shall be a statue forever to the children of Israel and to the stranger who dwells among them. He who touches the dead body of anyone, they're unclean too, seven days. Anybody touch the dead body in the last seven days? Good, because if you have, you got to get out. <laughs> he shall purify himself with water, baptism, on the third day and on the seventh day. And I'll, I'll just so you know, just so you don't get lost in me, I'm going to show you in Hebrews where it confirms this word. Okay, so here we go. Then he shall be clean. But if, it does not, if he does not purify himself on the third day and on the seventh day, he will not be clean. Y'all got that? Everybody got it? You understand? You know the doctrine of baptisms, right? Whoever touches the body of anyone who has died and does not purify himself defiles the tabernacle. Get out. That person shall be cut off from Israel. He shall be unclean because the water of purification was not sprinkled on him. His uncleanness is still on him. Uh, let me ask you something. We're 14 verses, so we got eight more. Anybody glad yet that, this, that we have one baptism? Anybody happy that we're, you don't have to, just think about if you had to know this. Okay? Just think about if you had to know this. If you had to worry about whether you were coming into this house clean or unclean. Because if you came in here unclean, you're defiling all of us. All of us are then unclean. And some of us might not leave here alive. Ain't you glad we don't have to go through this, Amen. This is the law. When a man dies in a tent, all who come into the tent and all who are in the tent shall be unclean seven days. And every open vessel is unclean. You can't drink the coffee now, which has no cover fastened on it. It's unclean. Whoever in the open field touches one who is slain by a sword or who has died or a bone of a man 
or a grave shall be unclean seven days. And for an unclean person, they shall take some of the ashes of the heifer burnt for purification from sin. And running water shall be put on them in a vessel, baptized. A person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water, sprinkle it on the tent and on all the vessels of the persons who were there, or on one who touched a bone, the slain, the dead, or a grave. The clean person shall sprinkle the unclean on the third day and on the seventh day, and on the seventh day he shall purify himself because he's unclean, wash his clothes, bathe in water, and at evening, then he can be clean. You got that? Okay, we're almost done. But the man who is unclean and does not purify himself, that person shall be cut off from among the assembly because he has defiled the sanctuary of the Lord, the whole sanctuary. The water of purification has not been sprinkled on him. He is unclean. Doctrine of baptisms. It shall be a perpetual statue for them. Uh, he who sprinkles the water of purification shall wash his clothes. So, Kevin, check it out. I'm going to sprinkle this water on you, and because I did it, now, now, now i got to go wash too. Are you glad yet? Is anybody excited about the blood of Jesus yet? I'm just saying, 22 verses. And he who touches the water of purification shall be unclean until evening. But I thought it was pure water. I'm going to just get a little sip of this living water while I'm at it. Mm. Y'all excuse me. Yeah, that water ain't pure. Whatever the unclean person touches shall be unclean, and the person who touches it shall be unclean until evening. So that's it. Kids, we kept the kids up. Oh, I'm teaching the kids today. I, I forgot to tell y'all that. I got your kids today. That's why they're up here. Amen. So y'all got that. Everybody understand now the doctrine of baptisms, yes or no? You're lying. Aren't you glad that we have a New Testament? One washing. There is one body. That's the body of Christ. There are many members that join this body. There are actually two two camps that join this body. It's the Jew and the Gentile make up this body that we call ecclesia. The called out ones, or in our terms, the church. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. And here's what I want you to understand. Just because it says one baptism, one baptism doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you only get baptized one time. It means there's one washing for you. Bob, what was verse 14 of Numbers 19? 
you don't need to know. The only thing you need to know is that for you, Bob, because Jesus came to fulfill all of that that we read in Numbers 19, for you there's one washing. You don't have to worry about what ashes you touch, what bone you pick up, how many snook you clean, amen, how many dead bodies you touch, how many frog legs you, you peel the skin off of. You don't have to worry about any of those things. You can still come into the house of the Lord and worship him the same way and give praise to his name the same way and exalt his word the same way, amen, because you have one baptism. Whew, that gave me some goosebumps. But, but I will say this, you do need washing. You do need washing. You may have been baptized already. You may not have understood even what you were doing yourself. But here's what I'll tell you. You need washing on a regular basis. And I want to show you two things, two things that helps us to continually get that washing. I love this passage of Scripture. This is how I teach communion, by the way. So if we ever do a communion service on Saturday night, this is what you'll hear. I teach it out of this Scripture. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. I brought a towel with me today, but I'm not Jesus. After that, he poured water into a basin. Did you know that this is a symbolic fulfillment of the basin, the bronze basin, which you would enter into the tabernacle first by blood, then by water, then by oil. Then you could go up into and have communion with. The, you could go into the, the holy place where the showbread and the candle was, and then you could enter into the holy of holies after communion, which represented the presence of God. There's order in his kingdom. He poured water into his basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel. Let me go back. With which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said this, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will after this. That is my goal today. Is you may not have come in here understanding what baptism is and what it represents and why we do it, but my prayer is you will after this. And here's what he said, because this is what we do. This is what we do. You're going to do this today. You're going to say, I've been baptized, I don't need, I don't need another baptism. Or you're going to, you're going to say, um, Lord, I, I, would you baptize me? I said this the very first time somebody asked me to baptize them. How can I, just like John the Baptist, when Jesus came to him, to get baptized? And John said, we got it all wrong. It is you that should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, there's order in the kingdom. That's basically what he said. He said, no, we're going to do it the way we've been doing it. And Jesus walked down in the water and the son of God himself was baptized by a man. That's an amazing thing. And so Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand, but now you will know after this. Peter said, 
you shall never wash my feet. I wonder how many of us have looked to God and the doctrine of baptisms and the idea of baptisms and said, probably not out loud, but by action, because baptism is an act. We say it's an act of obedience, but it's not. It's an act of faith. You've got to believe that something needs to be cleaned, and you're going to go down and get in that water and get something cleaned out of you. Amen? You've got to believe for yourself that there is a purifying that is going on in the supernatural, and it's not just a symbol of something we do, and it's not just the illustration of, of who we love and know, but there is a supernatural event taking place in the heavens, and God is cleaning something out of you. Amen? Did you change that? Oh, I did. Hold up, man. So here's what Jesus says. And this is how I teach communion. This is, I love this about communion. Jesus says this. Peter, 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 if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. This is the New Testament. This ain't Old Testament teaching. Jesus looks right at one of the most prominent apostles that we regard in all of Scripture. It says, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And so, uh, Jesus proceeded to, Peter, I, I wanted to read the whole thing, but I knew I, I had too many slides. But Peter, he goes on to say, Lord, wash my head and my feet and all that stuff. Also, like, I'm all in. And Jesus, he then says to him, if you're already clean, if you've already been clean, have you been clean? Then you need to only have your feet washed. And see, this is one of the things we don't understand about the doctrine of baptism or instructions of washings is, yes, we may have been cleansed. You may have been baptized, but you still need to wash your feet because you've picked up a lot of dust on your journey of following Jesus. Has anybody picked up a little dust on their feet since they started following Jesus? Amen. And so you need to be washed. And, and, and here's one of the things that we do. it. We wash in water. And I'm going to show you it's not a purifying of, 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 of the flesh. That's not what's going on here. We wash in water. But here's another way that we wash. What else can we wash in, y'all? Anybody help me just yell it out? The word. Same night, same event, John 13, same room. This is not, a, not two chapters later. It is for us, but it's not in the event. Jesus says to them, you are already clean. Same thing he told them, but we didn't read it in John 13. You're already clean, but you only need to have your feet washed. And then he goes on to tell them just a little bit later on that night, same time, you're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And so here's today's an invitation. It's up to you. You can choose whether you walk down to that water and stick your feet in it or whether you go down in that water and be fully submerged. That, that, that's up to you. But it's an invitation for you. 
And so that was my introduction. I told y'all it was going to be long. Y'all ready for the teaching now? Amen? Here we go. So what is baptism? What is baptism? That's a great question, ain't it? It's kind of hard to explain after all that information we just saw, isn't it? Here's what the Word of God... Y'all like the Word of God? Here's what it says. Now, I added this to it, so we're going to get to what it says a little bit here, but here's what it says. I love this scripture. It says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. That is simply the first step, repentance from dead works. That is you setting Christ aside apart in your heart as Lord. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience. We're going to get to that. We're going to talk a lot of today about the conscience. So that in the thing which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. For Christ also died for sins once for all. Let me hear y'all say one washing. One washing. washing. Amen. The just for me, the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, baptism, but made alive in the spirit. You're going to die And then you're going to come back up alive. Not in the flesh, though. In the spirit. Amen. Mm. That's definitely not living water. Verse 19, In which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison who were once disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which... uh, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through, through water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Okay, look at this. See this little, the two little lines? We're going to take that part out for a minute. I want you to understand this. Corresponding to that, Baptism now saves you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we go back and we look, the ark saved them through water. Baptism, the word saved, okay, because we always use it in the term of salvation. It simply means delivers. It delivers us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what does it deliver us from? It's not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but it is an appeal to God for a good conscience. Do you want to know what baptism is today? It is you appealing to God for a good conscience. That's what it is. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, 
who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subject to him. Here's the word in the Greek. We practiced this this morning, JJ. Eper o te ma. That's the word appeal in the Greek. And it simply means to inquire or to answer to God for a clean conscience. Here's what I want you to understand. What we do in one washing is what numbers could never do. It's what the law could never do. Y'all ready? Hebrews 9. Here we go. Now when these things had been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing all the services. We could go through that, but we're not going to. But into the second part, the high priest, that was the Holy of Holies, went once, uh, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and the people's sin committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of alls was not yet made manifest, but I promise you it's been manifest now. While the first tabernacle was still standing, it was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to conscience. Here's what the law could never do. It could never cleanse the conscience. The baptism which we are now baptized in is you appealing to God. How many of you would appeal to God for a clean conscience? There's an action that we take by doing it. It's walking down there and getting in that water. Whether it's just putting your feet in it or whether it's, it's being fully submerged, it's getting the, the act of faith is getting into that water. God, I am appealing to you to cleanse my conscience. Verse 10, concerned only with foods and drinks and guess what? Various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation, which was Jesus Christ. So how about this? What's the big deal? I'm going to ask this question. Why do I need baptism? Is it just because that's the order of the kingdom or is there something else that I need to do? I mean, why do I need a clean conscience? Well, let me show you. Hebrews 9, 11 through 15, same passage. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made by hands. That is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, amen, he entered the most holy place, hallelujah, once for all, having attained eternal redemption. For if the blood, here it is, specific to Numbers 19. If the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer. Why, did we, why do we have ashes of a heifer? Y'all remember? Well, you mean you don't, you don't know the doctrine of baptisms? But I taught it to you. You forgot it already? 
Everybody forgot it? And nobody want to help me? Purification, thank you. The ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, to cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You want to know why you need baptism? Because you need a clean conscience to serve God. You do not get to serve God any way you want to. There is an order in the kingdom, and there is a process to your growth. We see this all the time. I wonder if why we see these people get on fire, get saved, come to Christ, get excited, and then fizzle out because no one teaches them the foundation, the elementary principles of Christ and how the kingdom is operated and what order it's operated in and how to become kingdom children. Amen? And for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant by means of death. For the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive of the eternal inheritance. Listen, y'all, it's not that I get to go to heaven. Yeah, I'm going to fall. Yeah. It's not that I get to go to heaven. That's not the goal. I don't even want to go to heaven if it's something I can imagine and something I can make up and it's something that I want. I want to inherit an eternal kingdom, something that he built. For in my Father's house there are many mansions, and I go there to prepare a place for you. I don't want to give him the plans and specs to the place that he's preparing. I want to move in to what he has for me. And so I'll say this. Strong statement, but it's true. If you have no desire to serve God, then there's no need for you to get baptized because you don't need a clean conscience. You cannot. You cannot serve God with an unclean conscience. You cannot do it. It will only produce in you dead works. We're, that's the first step is to repent from those things. Let me explain to you just real quickly. I don't even know if I put this in here. I hope I ain't um, jumping ahead of myself. But there's four conditions that our conscience can get in. It can, it can be dirty or evil or unclean, as Hebrews says. It can be guilty, a guilty conscience. That's, that's a terrible thing for believers. They can't let go of what they did, the sin that they committed, all these things. They are, are repentant. Uh, you know, they, they are repentant, but they just can't let it go. And then there's a seared conscience. That's the most dangerous of all. In, in Timothy, it says you've, you've been listening to doctrines of demons. That's how you got that seared conscience. The word of God doesn't penetrate. It doesn't have no effect. Your conscience is seared. God cannot even move in it. He can't speak to you through it. It is completely seared as with a hot iron. And then you have a clean conscience. 
That's the four conditions of your conscience. How many of you would like to walk away this place today with a clean conscience so that you could serve a living God? How many? Just raise your hand. That's about everybody. So if you want to serve God, then guess what? Something needs to die. Some things need to die or be washed away. Do any of you want to serve God? I mean, if you don't, just get up and leave. Just, just go. There's no need in you being here. There's no need in you sitting under this preaching and listening to this Babylon every day, every Sunday. There's no need in being here if you do not want to serve God because you are not submitting yourself to a God that serves you. You are surrendering yourself to a God whom you're going to serve. So don't go get in the water. Don't dip your toes. Don't come to church. Do not bother. You're wasting your time. If you want to serve God, then some things need to die or be washed away. Look at this, Romans 6. Do you not know that as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus, Bob, were baptized into his death? That's what we're baptized into. We share in it. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. I'm going to put you under that water today and something is going to die in the Holy Ghost and something's going to live in the Holy Ghost. Amen? God's going to do something. Not me. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we should walk in newness of life. Look at the grammar. We should walk. It doesn't promise that you're going to. These buttons are in a terrible place. Would y'all let Kyle in? Just open the door and say, Kyle, come on in. You're an hour late. We'll wait for you. Hey, hey, come on in. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, even the dog going to bite y'all. Praise God. Listen, I'm sorry that if I come to church today and I look like a commercial fish and John the Baptist in here, but, but we finna go get in the water, amen? Y'all go sit down, that's fine. Don't be embarrassed. We family up in here. Y'all tell them we family. We family, y'all. Don't be embarrassed. We ain't your typical church around here. Go get some coffee and some donuts and stuff. Take it easy. We family. Verse 4, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we should, we should, we should walk in newness of life. Let me ask you this question. We make an appeal to God today for a clean conscience. We travel, we begin to do good works. We get out of doing dead works from a guilty or a sin or uh, a sin or a seared conscience, dirty conscience. Would, do we ever need to be cleaned again? Is there ever a reason that you would need to make an appeal to God ever again for a clean conscience somewhere down the road? The answer is yeah. You can make as many appeals to God Paul, when he writes to, to, the, to the church in Corinthians, you know how many times he tells them he dies? 
Come on, somebody. Every day. Every day. Does it mean we need to run and get baptized every time? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying, if your heart desires to make an appeal to God for a clean conscience through water baptism today, you can do it. It don't matter how many times you've been baptized. And if you wish to do it again next week, then do it again next week. It's an appeal to God for a clean conscience. Here we go. Let me keep on going. Y'all done got me worked up now. I got this calm down here. I ain't had my coffee today. My head's hurting. I just didn't want, that's that water. I told y'all that was not living water. Uh, I just didn't want to come in here and preach on the caffeine high this morning. Because y'all know on Friday night how I can get a little bit on the caffeine high and get on some preaching. Okay, amen. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. We should go down a dead man and come up a new man, or an old man and come up a new man. Knowing this, that our old man, here it is, was crucified. I just should have read the word of God. And not said nothing. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we would no longer be slaves of sin. I have to ask who's in charge? Who's in charge? Who do you want to be a slave to? For he who has died has been freed from sin. Anybody like to die to themselves today? Go ahead, raise your hand. You want to die? If you, don't, if you ain't got your hand raised, it should be raised because you need to die for real. That's what it should be. Galatians 2.20, look at this. I've been crucified with Christ. It is I, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the idea. You don't, you don't have to join his kingdom we can use the terminology saved and all that good stuff. You don't have to come to church, but you do have to die if you're going to join His kingdom. It's the only way to come in. Colossians 2, In Him you were also circumcised with the circumcision not made with hands by the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Look, I already ran one off. How many more want to go? And you being dead in your trespasses and sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwritten requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. You know what those handwritten requirements were? You remember them? Everybody, let's recite Numbers 19 because they did. They knew every word of it. When this was written, they knew every single word of Numbers 19. They didn't need to read it from no scroll, brother. They had it memorized. Matter of fact, they had the first five memorized. Not chapters, books. Genesis, Exodus, Genesis. You know what I meant. Quit laughing at me. God going to get you for that. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. 
They knew every word of it. They were well versed in the doctrine of baptisms. Having wiped out the handwritten requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed, hold on, I got to flip the switch, principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, or I like the NIV says, at the cross. God took what was drawing us away from him and made a public spectacle of it at the cross. That is principalities and powers, demonic spirits and doctrines of demons, which has seared the conscience of this world that they can no longer hear God or receive what he has to say. He took it, nailed it to the cross, and made a public spectacle of them. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5, I love this one, for the love of Christ compels us. That's what makes us walk down to the water. I'm going to tell you right now, I just have this old vision, you know, of this old creek off in the woods somewhere. You got to walk about a half a mile down to it and take a mule, you know, for the women. It's what compels us to walk down to the water, the love of Christ. Because we judged thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he, that is Jesus, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. If you only want to live for yourself, don't go near the water. It's not for you. It's not what it's about. But if you want to appeal inquire, seek, desire, all the words that the Greek word uh, definition defines it. Vehemently ask, did I hit that again? God, to cleanse your conscience so that you could serve the living God, so that you would not remain in dead works to serve the living God. Um, JJ, where was I at, buddy? Help me out. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live to themselves. That's exactly where I was at for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, now we know him thus no longer. Do you know Christ according to the flesh? Kevin, did you walk with Christ? You did a couple thousand years ago? No, you didn't walk with him. You're an old cat if you walk with him. We don't know him according to the flesh. How do we know him? The spirit that testifies who he is, just like John said he would. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this is what's going to happen. You are going to become, you are going to become, you are going to become a new creation. How many of you know that you're a little newer than you was when you first walked with him? Amen? How many of you are still becoming new? That's me too. If you didn't raise your hand, we're going to have some, we'll, we'll have a talk after this. We'll have a little talk. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
You cannot serve God with a cluttered. This is what's wrong with us today. We are a people of cluttered consciences. There's so many things going on up there that we cannot be still and know that he is God. Cluttered conscience, dirty conscience, guilty conscience, or a seared conscience. So then this is how we're going to win. You're supposed to have an explanation and an illustration. My illustration was in there. And then you have to have an application, okay? They say that's a perfect sermon. So here's your application. What do I do now? Well, let's see what Hebrews says. Oh, let me explain this TLV to you real quick. The TLV is called the Tree of Life Version. It is the Messianic Jewish Family Bible Society. It is. I love reading it because you get the Jewish perspective. It is a word for word, just like the NASB and the, New, and the uh, ESV, word for word, exact equivalent translation of the scripture from all Jewish Messianic scholars. So don't disregard this TLV when you've seen it because, oh, I ain't never seen the TLV and whatever because um, that's, that's what it is. So I love reading Psalms in it because you get this picture and you learn these Hebrew words. You're going to see some Hebrew words that you had never seen before, maybe. But you get this perspective of what the Jewish scholars, how they know Christ. And so here's what Hebrews 10 says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have boldness. You know what a clean conscience does? Let me, let me just give you, I will give you an illustration then. If, if Pastor Eddie really wants an illustration, I'll give it to you. Do you remember when you was a kid? Where's my kids at? That's some good kids right there. Got me some good kids. Where, where's all the rest of them at, all right? Do you remember when you was a kid and you did something wrong and you kind of cowered down when you went to dad. Do you, anybody ever remember doing that? Why? Because you had an unclean conscience. Anybody remember like you did something wrong and you'd be like, y'all remember that, right? Unless you had a seared conscience and, and you went up to dad like, yeah, I did that. And you, you didn't have a dad like I had. You didn't go to my dad and say, yeah, I did that. I'm just telling you right now. Mine was more like this, a little bit, a little bit of, a, of, a, of a guilty conscience. But how good was it? Kevin, how good was it when you did the right thing and you came right up to dad and just jumped up on a chair and grabbed that joker and gave him a hug because you had a clean conscience? How good was it then? Y'all remember those moments? I understand, I'm not trying to be in, insincere, I understand that every person didn't have, you know, one of those fathers that they, they could, uh, it, it, I, I like the, on, later on in Hebrews where it says, that the, consider the goodness and severity of God, that was my dad. He was just as good as he was severe, but he was pretty severe, just so you know. And he still is to this day. He don't play. And so that's my illustration. How good is it when we have boldness to enter into the holies by the blood 
of Yeshua. How good is it when we can come into the house of God and the clutter and the junk and everything we, we experience through the week has been cleansed. And we can come to God with a clean conscience. That is what baptism is. It is your act of appealing to God for a clean conscience. He inaugurated a new and living way for us through the curtain or the veil. That is his flesh. Christ's flesh represented that veil, that thing that kept us from God. And when his flesh was uh, afflicted, that veil was torn. The flesh is the one thing, the one thing that is keeping you from going and growing in God is the flesh. Today, today there's an invitation to crucify that flesh through baptism. He inaugurated a new living way for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. We also have a Kohen Gadol, high priest. You like it? That just simply is high priest in the TLV. We have a high priest, Kohen Gadol, over God's household. So let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance with heart sprinkled clean from what? an evil conscience, and bodies washed with pure water. Let me ask you something. Is that ocean right there pure? Is it? I don't think so. But when we walk down in it, what makes it pure? God. What makes the ground holy that Moses stood on? God was there. What makes this congregation holy? If he ain't here, are we holy? No. Just telling you, if he don't show up, all this is a bust. It's a bust. Bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the unfavoring confession of hope for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. And do not neglect our own meetings as we meet throughout the week, as in the habit of some, but encourage one another. Uh, oh, I was going to say daily. But encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So again, I ask this question, what do I do? I want to make an appeal to God for a clean conscience or I don't. Whatever it is. I want to serve him or I don't want to serve him. But if you want to, here's a recipe. Right here is pretty simple. Get in the Word, get in the water, and get with each other. That's how we live. That's the life we've been called to. You get in the Word and get clean. And you get in the water and you get washed. And you get with each other and you stir each other up to do good works. We're not interested in performing dead works. Let me just give you one quick thing and I'll close about dead works. I'll give you an explanation of it. You want to know what it is? Everything that you don't do from God. Please understand the grammar. From. Are you working for God? That's dead works. He doesn't need anything from you. 
Everything we do that we do not do from Him, from Him, empowered by Him, spoken to by Him, from Him is dead works. I don't care how good you think it is. He doesn't need us to do anything for Him. Nothing. He needs us to do it from Him. Every good thing you've ever done, if it wasn't Holy Ghost empowered, it wasn't good. God didn't tell you to do it, and he didn't empower you to do it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I believe that today is a day of visitation. I believe, Father, you gave me this message that you would come and meet with your people. And that you would, Father, say to us, do you want to serve me? Would you like for me to cleanse your conscience? Would you like for me to get you out of the dead works you're so stuck in performing and empower you to do good works? Father, that's me today. I'm, I'm going to get in the water. And I pray that, Father, today I just happen to be the baptizer. But I pray, Father, as we are getting cleansed, cleansed, getting a clean conscience so we can come out of that water a new creation, I pray, Father, that everyone who touches the water, Father, would be clean today. I pray that you do a work so supernaturally charged that next week when we do Hallelujah Cattle, everybody will be talking about the washing that took place. Man, my mind wasn't as cluttered. My conscience wasn't as dirty. I didn't fight this temptation that week. It feels like a weight was lifted off. Father, I pray that you clean off of us today through the word, through the water, or through the gathering. In whichever way you choose to do it. But Father, I pray that those who know they need to make an appeal. doesn't matter how long that they, Father, have been walking with you. It doesn't matter if they've been baptized before, but today, Father, they want to make an appeal for a clean conscience. I pray that your spirit draw, spirit draw the people. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.